Men Talk. Yes, this is episode number 91. And this is going to be an amazing time because today, right here at the Kidology Studio, I have not one but two special guests. First of all, I've got Coach Barney Kennard, our head coach in Kidology Coaching. He's in town for the Kidology Coaching Summit. You've heard from him before, and you're going to enjoy his wisdom and insights today. But I also have another friend. Now, if you're from the Indianapolis area, you probably know him as Johnny Magic. But I've been lucky enough to be this guy's friend for many years, and he is here with me today as well. And both these guys are going to join me in talking about engaging your audience. They've been doing this for a long time and just are really great at it. And so I look forward to talking with them and finding out what kind of things we can share with you. So sit back, relax, and get ready for some Kidman Talk with Barney and Johnny Magic. All right, guys, I am so excited to have you here at my house in the International Kinology Corporate Headquarters. Mm. Yeah, my basement. It's pretty cool, though, isn't it? Oh, it is. Yes, I love it. It's like a Star Wars museum and some other stuff. But, uh, hey, we've had a great time, but I am so glad to have you guys here. We're going to talk about a topic today, and I thought of this topic as soon as I realized, hey, I got you guys at my house. I need to do a podcast. So we're going to talk about engaging your audience because those who listen to this podcast, they are Sunday school teachers, they're club leaders, they're children's pastors, they're teachers, they're people who find themselves up in front of kids. And so I want to tap into your experience and see what we can do to just encourage and equip those who are listening to the podcast. Now, for those of you who listen to this podcast, you've heard Barney before. He's one of our coaches. He's actually our head coach. He's done all kinds of things in front of audiences, whether it's kids with the Louis Palau Crusades or whether it's uh, the Magic Castle lecturing with the Fellowship of Christian Magicians, whether it's children's ministry conferences. So he's been in front of people for years and, and just sharing from his experience and practical how-to stuff. And then Johnny's like a totally different animal. Johnny's the, the young guy in the room, right? He's making Barney <laughs> and I feel old. And I love his energy. In fact, I'm going to link in the show notes a YouTube video that you are going to love of Johnny behind a, a three-foot-high curtain looking like he's going up and down stairs and escalators and falling through manholes. The energy <laughs> that he has is phenomenal and it's it's contagious and that's why when I first met him like this is a guy I want to be friends with and and a good speaker a good performer communicator does that they create a relationship with their audience so that people don't just learn something they, they want to be friends with that person as you know relational ministry is a passion of mine uh, it's a part of everything that we do is relational ministry so we've thrown together a quick outline but we uh, we're all speakers we're all talkers we may we may stray from the outline but let's just start out talking about how to start well, because out of the gate, how you engage your audience is so important. I have a blog post I did years ago, maybe I'll link in the show notes on, are, are you a racehorse or are you a locomotive? And locomotive speakers are just, they start out, well, I was going to speak today and I was thinking of speaking about this, and but then the Lord led me to speak about that. You know, and you're just like, okay, this is going to be bad. And it can end up being a great talk, but your first impression is it's not. Whereas if you're out of the gate, Man, it's great. So uh, either one of you, what is some tips or advice on just, man, let's get started. Let's do it. Let's start strong. So give us something. Well, I want to say something about eye contact right away. Absolutely. Uh, my experience in, in India really reinforced this, where I'd walk into a room with 800 kids, and before I said a word, I looked into their eyes around the room, and they were all attentive and then I began to speak. 
Wow, that's awesome. And that was really a very powerful introduction because they have this little they have this little movement with their head where you think they're saying yes, but they're really saying no. So when you do this, you think they're saying no because they're shaking their head back and forth to the left or the right. And as soon as I would look them in the eye and I would do that little move, I had them. Awesome. And that was really powerful. Before I said a word or did anything, um, just that little simple head movement, I got them. And I could just I could just see the hooks going in. Yeah, I'll, I'll link in the show notes. <laughs> I have a blog post called The Eyeball Game. Oh. And when I speak, I try to make eye contact with every person in the audience, whether yeah. it's 12 kids or whether it's... I've never done 800 that I've done the eyeball game. Maybe I need to up my game. But even if it's several, like this morning, as I spoke at Longmont, you guys got to come and watch. Yeah. I tried to make a, that personal connection with every person in the audience. That's fantastic. I, I noticed you did that, and it was yeah. really powerful. Yeah. For, in my experience, knowing what you're going to do ahead of time is, is critical. So having that memorized, whether that's just going to be an opening line or an opening story, anything you're going to say, knowing that ahead of time. I don't think you need to make them a... Stake of overwhelming yourself and thinking you have to memorize the whole presentation. Yeah. Just that first part out of the gate. And I find that using humor at the beginning is a really quick way to engage someone, whether that's a funny line or just an opening story with a, an off-kilter punchline. Oh, yeah. Way to connect. Yeah, when I preach, which I don't get to preach as often as I'd like to. I'm actually getting to later this month uh, up in South Dakota. Yeah. Friends having me up there. But when I preached, and I... Um, I, I never really told people this, but I would memorize basically the first five, ten minutes. I would script it. I would memorize it. I would practice it. And then after that, I'd let my personality and my outline. Sure. Um, and yeah. I'd say more andums, um, which is which is my speaking handicap. Um, but there'd be none of that in the first few minutes. So, um, yeah, just knowing what you're going to say, whether it's a question, mm-hmm. whether if you're a magician or you're doing something flashy, um, just something that immediately engages them. Like this morning, you saw I came out right away with a cloth and I said, whenever you see a world-famous magician, you expect me to do something amazing. And then I did a, a comical thing and said, well, I'm not a world-famous magician. But it was just some humor at the beginning um, that just, boom, instead of you know coming out slow. I love that. If you want to see some great examples, if you go listen to TED Talks, you'll notice that almost all of the presenters start with one of two things, either a statement or a question. Yeah, and it, it immediately hooks it, and it hooks them in. In the old uh, Sunday school acronym, the hook, look, book, and took, mm. you know, hook was that first thing, and you've got to bait them because people are deciding pretty quickly whether they're they should have come, whether they're going to enjoy this, and they can be wrong, yes. but convincing them they were wrong is is a lot of work. It's better to have them excited right away. So um, yeah, so just starting out of the gate, planning that, I probably put more time into my introduction and my conclusion than I do to anything. In between, yeah, bookends. So we're going to talk about ending well when, when we when we get to ending. So, what are some ways that you engage your audience? Uh, how do you you know keep them involved? You know, this last weekend we had um, here in Denver the Fellowship of Christian Magicians, the Rocky Mountain. We did a, an Amaze conference, and uh, so we had Dwayne Laughlin there, which was really awesome, and his son David actually did a three uh, generational uh, show for us, which was cool. But during one of his workshops, Dwayne made the comment that there's a difference between participation and involvement. Now, as magicians, we often invite a kid on stage, put a silly hat on him, and, and they're kind of our assistant. And he was actually pushing back against that a little bit and saying, that's great, and we do that in children's church too, bring some kids up for a game. But he was saying, then you're only engaging those kids that are on the stage. And the audience enjoys watching, but he was saying, man, you need to involve the entire audience. So what are some, some ways that we can do that? Well, you... It can be done in lots of ways, but 
I, I know this famous skidologist from Denver, Colorado, who has a quote, <laughs> and it says in his he he says you don't demand their attention, you capture it. Mm. So that's good. I'm going to write that down. You better write that down. Put it in the show notes, will you? Because <laughs> it's it's a good it's a good statement. But for me, it's about visually being able to capture their eyes for the whole time. And uh, people don't understand that if you're really good at capturing their eyes, you have their attention. Because people have the idea that children attend shortly to things. In other words, they don't have a very long attention span. But if you can control what they attend to, they will attend longer. Mm. And that's what Sesame Street learned. So they had an hour program or half hour program and they uh, they changed it up so much that it was so visually stimulating. That's what the old Laugh-In program was about. And, and Sesame Street learned from Laugh-In that children watched the Laugh-In shows and it was all about their eyes. And if they could attend, then you had their attention. Well, yeah, and they would always end Sesame Street by saying, today it was sponsored by the letter B and the number four. Well, if you could re-watch that episode, you would find that everything probably started with the letter B and and four of them. Like there'd be a little video clip of four little bees buzzing on some flowers that you thought was just, you know, a little video footage, you know, or there'd be four bears or something. And but the whole episode they kept hitting that B and that four, but in different ways. Mm-hmm. We need to do that thing, we need to do that with our audiences where we have our main idea, but we go, how many ways can I hit this? And how fast can I keep changing the way I'm doing it? Um, to, to reinforce them. It's fun to get the audience involved. In a magic show or kids' church, you can have the kids all saying something. Yes. You can um, have them all do hand motions. You can have them stand up and, and be characters. Uh, one of my friends, Nikki Straza, who's a phenomenal children's pastor up in, uh, up in Canada, she does these response things where anytime I say this, you guys say that. In fact, just recently uh, I blogged about a teaching I just taught on David and Goliath. And I had one half of the kids be the Philistines and the other half be the Israelites. And every time I said Philistines or Israelites, the two sides were to either cheer or boo, depending on, on which they were. But it kept them listening because they loved that cheering mm-hmm. and booing. And, of course, we had a battle. And, you know, you can read the blog post. But uh, that whole thing, I just like, how can I engage the entire audience? It's, it's a lot of fun. Is there something you do in your shows that engages all the kids? Well, yeah, as, it, well, as a general rule, a question I like to ask myself when I'm putting together a show is, if someone was to watch this later on YouTube, what are they missing out on that they didn't have in a live experience? And the, the quick answer should be the interaction. And so I want the audience there to walk away feeling they were a part of something, that they participated in something. And so I like to plan unpredictability, which basically means asking questions or doing things in the audience that you plan to do, but what could the result be that you can't control? So how someone responds to something, what a child does when you hand them something, that's what creates a unique experience, and that's what the audience feels like makes it worth their time. I wanted to be here rather than watching this later. And uh, something I like to do is I like to leave the stage occasionally, too. You don't yeah. want to overdo it because then it loses its impact. But anytime you leave the context of the, the box on stage yeah. and move out there, that introduces a level of unpredictability. Is he going to talk to me? Is he going to walk over here? And that keeps things fresh, and you kind of yeah. want to keep your eyes on something. Yeah, you don't exactly. want to miss it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I was in Des Moines, Iowa last week, and my good friend Todd McGeever, one of our other college coaches, uh, speaking at his church. And um, so I did a workshop on um, if secrets of effective kid communicators, which is kind of what we're talking about today. And uh, my theme was turn spectators into participants and um you know and it was fun because when i wrote this workshop i've done it a couple times now um 
you know, I had my whole outline, I had all my points, and I realized my plan was garbage because I was talking about it, and I wasn't going to do it. And I had to almost scrap the whole workshop. I actually got rid of PowerPoint, and the first thing we did is I had uh, eight adults come up, and they, each team, two, four men, four women, had balloons. They had to pop the balloons. Then they had to open pieces of paper that were in the balloons. Then they had to figure out what order to put the words in because it was turn spectators into participants. Mm. But, you know, they, one of them had spectators into turn, you know, kind of like Yoda talk. And, uh, and so, you know, it was fun. And then at the end, we talked about that. And I was like, well, that's what we did. I could have just stood here and told you turn spectators into participants. But instead, I did it. And uh, but that's a, the number one question I ask anytime I'm teaching or is how do I turn them into, from spectators into participants? Because you, you remember things that you participate in. You don't necessarily remember things that you spectated. Sure. So, and of course, the obvious is that you know a lot of magicians have magic. You know, comedians have their jokes. Anytime you have something uh, physical, a physical item or a visual to kind of reinforce what you're talking about, that'll increase engagement too. I, I want to encourage people not to go too far. I think sometimes a PowerPoint or some visual can be a crutch, and we can rely too much yeah. on it as a presenter. But I think if it just reinforces and elevates what you're already speaking to, it's a great engagement tool. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Now. Anyone who gets in front of an audience knows that things go wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and and so how do you deal with those? I mean, a variety of things can go wrong. I mean, you can have people problems, whether that's a kid misbehaving, and discipline's kind of a maybe a separate issue, but there are ways to deal with that while you're speaking. Technology can go wrong. The PowerPoint, the bulb could go out. Um, what are some of the things that you've learned over the years? Distractions, you know, there's a, a window flapping or thunder outside. Um, any, there's a myriad of things that can go go wrong. Kind of, what's your mindset when you're on stage and something happens? You can give me a specific example, or just in general. Well, I do want to say that these kinds of issues are the, one of the best opportunities for you to demonstrate your professionalism. Because if you've ever seen a presenter or been in an event and a mic goes out. And they continue talking or they do a mic swap effortlessly or they just raise their voice and they don't miss a beat. In that moment, you have so much respect for them. Because yeah. in that moment is a, a time where everything could derail. And when you own that moment, you actually earn respect. So it's actually an opportunity. You know, last Sunday, our pastor's wife was doing the welcome and introduction. And her that's what happened. Her mic went out. And I was so impressed because she just set the mic down, raised her voice, continued talking. And, um, you know, and the guy from the back came running up and he did a little swap and handed it to her and she never missed a beat. Mm-hmm. I leaned over to my wife. I said, she's a pro. She's not just the pastor's wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So something I like to tell myself is something's going to go wrong during the show. I don't know what it is. So when it happens, you've expected it. Yeah. And so immediately you That's can great. own it. Yeah. Just expect something's going to go wrong. You just don't know what it is yet. <laughs> exactly. Well, there was another thing. After years of experience in front of audiences... I have quite a collection of things that have gone wrong. I bet. And there are things you can control by anticipating what might happen and deal with it before the meeting starts. Or you can be surprised. And it happens again and again and again, the same thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, checking your batteries before you go on or asking the tech guy, are these new batteries? Um, Um... uh, there's just, just, I mean, I had a bat fly into, into the camp, went right through the room, and scared all the kids and flew right out. I, I had a guy had a heart attack in the invitation. Ambulance came, hauled him off, and I continued on, led some kids to Christ, and it was nobody was the wiser. He was a little farther in the back of the room. But I was very aware that it was something was going on in the back of the room. Now, these are things you cannot control. Yeah. 
But what are the things you can control? Well, if you see an area of kids that have no adult with them, mm-hmm. and you can watch before the show, they're a little rowdy. Before I get up in stock, I, I move an adult into that area. Yeah. Or signal um, that we need some help. Or I get up and I actually ask someone to move over here and before we ever even get started. Because I know I'm going to have some trouble with these kids if they don't yeah. get some supervision. Yeah, absolutely. So those are the kinds of things. So there is the planned and the unplanned. And, and two one-liners I like to keep in my back pocket for these situations. One is, I just it gets quiet and you say, wow, it's so quiet you could hear a career drop. <laughs> and that, that usually gets a laugh or the, just the obvious long pause awkward and everyone gets a laugh and then you just write back on yeah and I think acknowledging the distraction sometimes you have to ask yourself is this distracting me but the audience doesn't care because they're engaged That's in what point. I'm doing yeah. and so it's just bothering me it's a buzzing of a microphone or it's you know mm-hmm. wind or something but if it is if the audience is aware of it it's good to acknowledge it mm-hmm. and then move on so that it it get, kind of allows them to move on because you've kind of said, yeah, there is this thing, like the crying baby. Um, although be careful if you're running for office because that can backfire <laughs> if, uh, if you say something about taking the baby outside. But, um, but yeah, just acknowledging it and moving on, being creative. But prep, that that's a huge one, especially you if you find a pattern in what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you, you need to address that. Um, you know, the, the PowerPoint and projector things. I load all my PowerPoints. You know, as a PDF and have a backup where if I if I have to have it, you know, then I can you know use an iPad if it's a small group or something like that. Uh, but having those Plan Bs and Plan Cs, um, but yeah, you have a great point that it really shows your professionalism and how you handle that in the moment because you're command you're in charge when you're speaking. Yeah, it's the five Ps: proper planning prevents poor performance. Ooh, I like that. Say that again. People are writing that down. Yeah, proper. Planning prevents poor performance. That's excellent. That's excellent. Yeah, that's really strong. That's really good. Yeah. So, so some things are going to go wrong. Um, you know, Johnny, you've I've seen you perform, and, and you're you're fabulous. Do you have like a, a magic formula for? Uh, and I'm kind of feeding you a question because I kind of <laughs> know you do, and because uh, you've got this magic formula. Yeah, could could you share that with with our listeners? Yeah, I I, did, I was able to uh, come up with an acronym. Of course, it's magic. And don't try to write this down, folks. I'm going to put it in the show notes. Just click on that at the end. But this is so good. Yeah, something we already started to touch on with a strong beginning, and I already mentioned it before. I'll say it again. is M is for memorize. Memorize your opening. That will create confidence for you, and it will inspire your audience to kind of be Well, and the audience doesn't want to be nervous. Yes. If you're doing poorly... Your audience are nice people, yes. so now they're they're agonizing for you. They're feeling bad for you, but they're not learning anything. Yes, they're just hoping you survive it, hoping they can survive it. But man, when you come out and you got that thing scripted, boom. The A is add, and and you might expect me to start listing things to add to your speech, but I'm actually going to say pauses. I want you to add pauses for impact. This does two things: one, it lets people absorb the information that you're saying, and those pauses are excellent for that. It also allows you to kind of reframe your mind and know what you're going to say next. If you listen to any professional, well-paid speaker, they have lots of pauses. And the slower you speak, the more emphasis everything you say has. And you bring people in to what you're saying. (laughs) That's excellent. And and you're modeling it right there. Yeah, Yeah, pauses are incredible. My mom was a great teacher. She taught Sunday school and led Awana Council Times. And, uh, and I remember her telling me, as a speaker, you don't like silence. You feel like it's awkward. But that same awkwardness the audience feels, especially when you ask a question. She said, you'd ask a question and no one answers. Your impulse is to then answer it for them. And she said she learned 
just be quiet. She said, I will count to 10 before I answer my own question. Mm -hmm. And she said that awkwardness hanging in the air, they feel it too. Someone will fill that. Mm -hmm. And, and, and and by the way, it works for recruiting. I need somebody who's going to head up snacks for VBS. And you just be quiet. Because if you just go, well, we'll worry about that later. But some will go, well, I don't want to lead it, but I'm willing to help. And it's all, well, I can help too. But that, but pauses and silence can be powerful tools. So right, we got M, uh, memorize your intro, add pauses. All right, what's the G? G, you're going to go into a power pose. Now, this is something you're going to do. Uh, yes, if you can't, yeah, you can't see Carl now, but he is definitely modeling uh, Hercules and Superman. Uh, go into a power pose. This is a, a psychological, uh, I guess you could call it a trick on your body where if you take on a pose, picture an athlete who just won a race or, or someone who overcomes some adversity, that power pose actually trains your subconscious to own that and that confidence level inside you boosts. It goes super high. So you can use that when you're doing a job interview, anytime you're nervous, especially when you're going to do public speaking. So I can go backstage yep. instead of waiting until the end to go, yes, I nailed that. <laughs> you know, and not in a prideful way, just, just, Sure. You were nervous, you prayed, God came through, he worked through you. and So you're saying you, you almost muster that at the beginning. Like, you do. Yes, God, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do my best, and you're going to speak through me, and the kids are going to connect. Well, you took and, it a step further, and that's that positive affirmation, right? What we say, we'll believe. So, mm-hmm. so tell yourself truth. Yeah, don't tell yourself a self-fulfilling prophecy, oh man, this is going to be rough. Yeah. Well, then it's going to be rough. Good. That's right. So we've got M, and I always review these. I use acronyms all the time. I love acronyms. Um, so we're memorizing our intro. We're adding pauses. We're going into a power pose. Pose, and the I is we are. You're going to include a personal story. What you don't want to do is do a presentation that anyone could have done. Exactly. That's and, a, that's and a, a personal good. story does two things. It, it makes what you're talking about unique to you, but it also helps the audience get to know you. And a personal story could be from your childhood. It could. It makes you relatable. Especially if you're not the hero in the story. Yeah. Right? That kind of vulnerability, that kind of uh, transparency helps people go, oh, he, he's like me. And if that reinforces your point, all the better. Yeah, that's fab- fabulous. Yeah, we love when pastors tell a personal story, especially when they're current, something funny that happened during the week. Uh, I kind of do, I kind of model it after the uh, talk shows. You know, I like the monologues. Once I get the celebrity interviews and, and the bands I've never heard of, I usually turn it off. But I love the monologues at the beginning, not only for the humor. But there's this connection with that host. And so they come out and they, they just talk. And so I kind of model that in my speaking. Sometimes I'm actually speaking before they think I'm speaking. You know, it's five minutes before the workshop and I'm just sharing a funny story. Or if I'm teaching, I'm telling the kids something that happened during the week. And even though officially I may not be starting, I have. Because I've started that relational connection. So then when I actually start, I've already earned their, um, earned, earned the right uh, to be heard. So, uh, yeah, that's great. You got a personal story about that? I'm just putting, <laughs> I'm just putting you on the spot. Well, I'm just I'm looking uh, at my note here, and I want to make sure we get this last one with C. Control your hands. Oh, that is so important. The, if you, uh, the, the biggest difference identifier between an amateur speaker and someone who's done it for a while is their hands. And you can tell if someone's nervous, if their hands are in their pockets, if they're fidgety with a pen, if they're gripping the podium like they're going to break it. Uh, your hands reveal how you feel and so if you decide ahead of time what you're going to do with your hands that you're going to keep them open that you're going to have a posture that just is welcoming of the audience and that you're not going to rattle your fingers or wring your hands or cross your arms 
Yeah. Just being being aware of that. Yeah, and you want your body to be open. You want it to be leaning forward. You yes. want open palms, which yeah. is transparency. Yeah. When I first started speaking, and I was nervous. I was you know new and for being in front of large groups of people, and I was a hands in the pocket guy. Mm-hmm. And my wife almost got to the point of telling me, "I'm going to sew your pants pockets closed." <laughs> and I don't think I don't remember. I don't think she ever actually did that. Um, but just really drilled. That's taking away because again, when you're nervous, the audience is nervous. Yeah. I remember starting and. Um, I would put my hands in my pocket and play with the coins, unknowingly playing with the yeah. coins while I'm talking, until I started doing magic and then my hands were out and so on. But if I was in a relaxed pose and my hands went in my pockets, I, so now I just take coins and stuff out of my pockets. Um, so I'm not tempted to do that. Yeah, we release energy through our hands. And so even a magician taught me once, before you go on stage, just start shaking your hands. As if you're a dog and they're wet, just shake them. Because it, all that energy that's cycling through you, you, just shake it all out of those fingertips. And that's made a tremendous difference for me, too. That's so cool. Yeah, it, and, and we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. So we need to be vulnerable enough to ask other people, did you observe something that, that I need to get out of my speaking? Yes. You know, my, my big one's and um. I say and um. That's my when I'm thinking. In fact, I'll go through the podcast a lot, and you don't hear them maybe very often because I'm chopping out my and ums because usually they have no bearing on what I said before or after. It's my, and I'm trying to break that. I'd love to get a, a chair that had like an electric seat that every time I said and um would shock me <laughs> because then maybe um and um, I'd be cured of saying that. <laughs> and, uh, but, but, you know, unless you listen to a recording of yourself, Ask others and be willing to receive that feedback. Say, I really want to know. I want to be better at what I do. Is there something I'm doing that's distracting um, from from my message? Because obviously we're in ministry. It's all about the message. We don't want it to be about us. And we don't want to be doing something that distracts. So that's a great magic formula. So in summary, that is memorize your intro, add strategic pauses, go to that power pose, um, include personal stories, and I try to do that on the podcast. I try to tell stories about Luke or things going on in my life because it makes you a real person. I love what you said. If could someone else have done my talk? Mm-hmm. If, if even in your teaching, if someone else could have done the exact same thing you did, then it still may be good. Just not personal. It's just not personal. And mm-hmm. so if it's not personal, it doesn't make that relational. Yeah. Connection. Um, I've got a blog post. I can link it if I remember all these things I said. I'll link to um, called "You Are a Bible Character." And basically, my point is, Bible characters didn't know they were Bible characters. Mm-hmm. They were just normal people going through life, confronted with challenges. Some failed, some succeeded. Both ended up in the Bible for us to learn from them. Um, but in a sense, we're a Bible character in that we're the same as Joseph. We're prevented with presented with um, surprises and hard things. It, don't text me during the podcast. Anyway, and how we react to that, I acknowledge the distraction if you notice that. It, it, it's so important. And so we've got to make it a, a personal connection. And then last, that control the hands. Of course, this is a podcast. You can't really tell what we're doing with our hands. So, um, Barney, you mentioned something earlier, which I thought was really good when we were just chatting before the recording started, about knowing your audience. Because we speak to different audiences, mm-hmm. um, but we need to really understand who it is we're speaking to. Yeah, I think it's... I think it's easier to speak to adults because they're forgiving and they they know a lot and they see a lot. And um, there, there's a, a body of a, a identity if we're adults and they're adults. But when we start grading down, um, I mean, I, I had an exercise at a church one time where I had to give an announcement to preschoolers, kindergartners, uh, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, junior high, high school, college, all in the same morning. 
And what I learned from that was I really had to scale what I was doing to fit my audience. So it changed my vocabulary, it changed my examples, it changed how I communicated, it, it changed how I reviewed what I said and how I reminded them. It, it's a great exercise to be able to stair-step or stage your, your audience. Um, so if you're talking to preschoolers, you've got to learn how to talk on their level. And if you're talking to junior high, uh, that's a whole other communication. And you got to be hip, got to yeah, be cool. Got to be cool. You got you got to say something that's sick. You go, that, that that's a good thing. Talk you know, the bomb is a good thing. <laughs> Wicked is a good thing. You know, you got to you got to know that stuff. Otherwise, you know, you're just totally out of it. You know, at the conference last weekend in our roundtable discussions, one of the ladies brought up. Um, she teaches a wide age range. She was asking, you know, which age do you target? Do you aim for the young kids? Do you aim for the top? And and uh, I hear lots of different opinions on that, and um, I've blogged on that. If I, this is, I think I've mentioned more blog posts in this podcast than I ever had before. Um, but I believe you've you got to aim for them all. And so you have to connect with each age in a different way. So the younger kids are going to be more visual, yeah. more silly. Maybe it's going to be what, what you wear. But you've got to have some meat for the older kids. And so you're almost kind of skipping around. Like one thing I enjoy doing is making jokes that the kids won't get, but the adults in the room get. Um, whether it's a reference to culture or something like that. And it's just as equally fun to make a reference from the world of kids that the kids will laugh at, and the parents go, did I, did I miss it? Was, was there a joke there? Mm-hmm. And, that, and that can be really fun. But that takes some intentionality mm-hmm. um, to do that. But just knowing ahead of time who, who your audience is. I, I think that, I think pastors are, are, from my observation, a real um, a career that has a real problem with children in the room. And um, I really believe that if you've got children with you in the room with adults, that you need to have something there for them. Mm. And if you talk over their heads and ignore them, then you're teaching them that they're not important and you have nothing to say to them, and there's no reason for them to listen. So I think when I have a chance to talk to pastors about children and ministering to children in the same room with adults, I remind them, you've got to have something from them. So I, if I'm guilty of anything, if I see children in my meeting, I have something in there for them. I'm referring to them or say something about them or my childhood or something that perks them up as soon as I do yeah. that. Yeah, and kids don't important. expect you to address them the whole time, but just no, to be recognized, to be acknowledged, um, even if it's you use some big word, and, you, and my dad did this growing up, he'd say, now kids, that just means da-da-da-da. Oh. And so he would just give a quick definition. And he'd go right back to the to the adult sermon. Or he'd go, kids, you'd probably like this. Or he's telling a story and he mentions, I don't know, breakfast cereal. Oh, I got your kids I got you kids' attention, didn't I? So he would just always so we knew that he knew we were there, but I don't know that we expected him to be funny and entertained the whole time. Sure. But we weren't invisible. And um so thinking about who's in the audience and, and drawing them in the whole time. Um, this morning I had some special need kids um, in there, adults, uh, special need adults and, and some kids. And just trying to make a connection with them afterward, going up to them and high just so that they know that I knew they were there and that I noticed they were there, even though that's not necessarily where they usually are or they're usually a part of. Um, and it's powerful because that, that makes a huge impact on the people that we are listening to. All right? So let's see. What, is there anything that we have not covered? I want to talk about ending well, but I want to talk about that when, when we're ending. Do you have any um, rules or things you've learned? What, one of my kind of rules for speaking, I don't know if rules is the right word, but just maybe principles is, um, that I'm passionate about is don't talk about yourself in the third person. Don't say what you're going to do. Just do it. So don't say, you know, I'd like to tell you a story. You just, just start telling the story. Mm-hmm. Um, don't say, you know, well, my object lesson today is about. You just start talking about your object lesson, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, and I learned this years ago when I was a kid. My dad was a senior pastor. He let me come to church meetings, uh, deacon meetings, elder meetings. There were a few times something might not have been appropriate for a kid in the room, and I'd be told to go color in the next room. But for most things, I'd be in the and I wasn't allowed to talk. Um, but I learned so much because my dad would debrief me later. And I remember one meeting where they were talking about service going over. <laughs> a typical problem in churches, right? And so they had a lot of different solutions. They, they said, um, you know, we could uh, shorten the sermon, Pastor. And my dad says, you know, it's only 30 minutes. We could sing less worship. And the worship people didn't like that. And my dad finally uh, said, after letting ideas float for a while, what if we just stop saying what we're going to do? You know, what, what if instead of introducing Miss So-and-So is going to sing, and now the choir is going to come out, and now the ushers are going to come forward, what if we just did them? Just kick people on the edge of their seat. They trimmed 10 minutes off the sermon without shortening anything, just by not saying what they were going to do and just doing it. And I remember that, and I've taken that to, I don't tell kids we're starting, I just start. Um, if there's a drama, the actors have a cue to just come in and just start the drama, and I act surprised and get off the stage. And... Um, and so, uh, in fact, if I have to tell my kids' crew, hey, it's time for the skit, they know they blew it because I'm introducing it because we don't introduce things. Um, and that's powerful. And so even, even with speaking, you know, for my third point, you know, or, or now, you know, to wrap things up, you know, oh, well, they're going to check out mentally as soon as you say that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just not saying it, what you're doing, but just, just doing it. I think it comes out of insecurity when we announce everything we're doing. Right. I've also seen leaders ramp the kids up, and then scold them <laughs> when they got there. Exactly. And I think that's really wrong. Who riled them up in the first place? <laughs> so the skill is knowing how to get them up and how to get them back. How to bring them down. And how to, to make that meaningful. I mean, it's fine to be a little rowdy, but there's some reason for it. And um, so it's very, it has to be intentional, and it has to be deliberate, and it has to be something that you practice and you get really good at. Um, and it really, really galls me when I see people that are not used to working with kids come in and ramp them up and then scold them for being there. <laughs> yeah. I just think that's so wrong. Reminds me of that line in the movie Hook where the dad says to his son, quit acting like a kid. And he's like, but I am a kid. <laughs> you know? And it's like, we, and, and yeah, we want that fun. We want that high energy. And uh, yet there's some techniques for bringing that down. Um, it could be, you mentioned going out in the crowd. I love, I'm sitting on my black stool here. I love grabbing my stool and taking it out in the middle of the audience, having the kids all bunch in yes. and say, you know what? I just want to share something from my heart, you know? And I've had pretty serious talks with kids or just lowering your voice. Mm-hmm. So they have to be quiet to hear what you're saying. Um, b- body posture. You know, there's so many things you can do to, to, to do that. And, um, and it's, it's powerful when it, when it's done well, um, we need to have that decrescendo down to the end. In fact, I had to get my senior pastor to back me up, and he was awesome at my church in Chicago, where church would get out early, and people just want to come get their kids. Mm-hmm. And I said, you can't do that. If you let them out early, I need you to back me that we don't open those kids' church doors until we're done, because we've worked this whole service to bring them down to this final application, prayer, decision, and if you come in 10 minutes early, you've destroyed everything I've done for the last 40 minutes. And, uh, and he backed me on that. We had doors, signs on the doors. We, we couldn't go over so if the parents were out there waiting, we had to end on time, but we didn't have to end early. And, uh, and that, that, that was powerful. So, so I, th- powerful. I think using humor, using visuals, movement, uh, changing your voice. Kids can really tell if you love them or not by the way you talk to them. 
And I've had adults say to you, I can really tell you love the kids. Yeah. And that warmth. And well, just being honest, caring. too, because I've said to the kids, hey, you guys know I like to have fun. But right now, I, I need to talk to you about something really serious. And they'll respect that because you, you've earned that. Now, Johnny, you're like me. You love acronyms. That's one thing I'm learning about you. And um, you've got a brand new magic kit that's just come out that I'm super excited about. And uh, I'm going to link to it in the podcast. And this, guys, if you guys are listening to this while it's new, this is just out. And it's it's amazing. I mean, it's a, it's a box full of magic tricks, but it's beyond a magic kit. There's lots on the market. This one, you scan a little card and you get instructions by video. Um, but aside from the magic kit, which itself is awesome, what I love is what's behind that. Because you actually, through your magic school, are training kids on the character of a magician or the character of a performer. And I think that's really applicable to us. Obviously, we're, we're trying to teach it. You're trying to teach it to kids. Yes. So they, they will be not just good performers, but good entertainers. And, and there's a difference between that. And I think the acronyms teach, yeah, right? It is. Would you mind going through that? Because I think that is so powerful for kids to be taught early on uh, these character issues that go with a performer. Before you share it, I'll just tell you, when I was a kid and I first started performing and I started getting audiences in, in, in a couple hundred and I was a young kid, my dad made me memorize First Corinthians 4, 7, which says, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, why do you boast as though you had not received it? And he just drilled into me, your talents for upfront speaking or performing is a gift from God. You can't be proud of something that's a gift because it's a gift. So it had nothing to do with you. And he really wanted me to understand that while my gifts and abilities were up front, every kid had abilities. They just some are behind the scenes, some are accountants, some are engineers, some are going to be good writers. You know, they all have gifts. Yours just happen to be in front of people, so you could make the mistake of thinking you're more talented, you know, or you're better or something. And and I I so appreciated that character lesson, so that I think it prevented me from feeling proud. Yeah. Uh, but that was a character lesson. And uh, I think you've taken that a step further. That would be the humility piece of sure. your acronym. Um, but what what are those those um, ac- what are those those keys that you have right on those cards, right in your magic kit, which I think is so cool? Yeah, I, we believe that it's important that both on stage and in everyday life, that kids and of course adults learn the value of teach, and that's an acronym, and it stands for trust, enthusiasm, authenticity, courage, and humility. And in the context of magic, you might think, well, how can someone trust you? You know, you're tricking people. <laughs> you're, tricking you, you're a master of the art of deception. And for me, and, and for any kind of speaker, the audience must believe in more than what you're saying. They have to believe in you. And so when you practice and you respect your audience, you earn their trust. Yeah, and that comes through the eye contact, the personal stories, all these things that, that it validates you as, a, as worthy of listening to. Yeah, and with enthusiasm, you know, if, if you don't have a lot of experience in front of people or you're really nervous... Was the thoughts that you're playing in your head is, I don't want to go out there. I don't want to do this. And that can reduce your enthusiasm. So we encourage kids that your enthusiasm can be contagious. So stand tall, speak confidently, you know, and smile often. Give off that positive energy. That attracts a crowd. Yeah. It encourages their curiosity and engagement. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard the line, you're either a thermostat or a thermometer. And a, a thermometer just reflects the temperature in the room, whereas a thermostat controls it. And as a speaker, whether you're doing a magic show for kids or whether you're doing children's church or pre, you're you're the thermostat. You can determine the energy and the enthusiasm of the room because people can only rise as high as you. They may not all get there, 
But if you're low, they're they're going to be low. So that that's great enthusiasm. Yeah, and we know authenticity. You know, be yourself. Let your personality shine. Don't tell other people's stories as shine though you're through. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then of course you've got uh, courage. And wow, what a big topic for being a public speaker. You know, you could be nervous, and that's okay. And, and the, obviously, practice and experience helps with that. And then the last one, which I think is the most important. It's humility. You know, sometimes we want to walk off that stage and get to the back of the room and have people like, wow, you inspired me, you changed my life. Oh, your points were spot on. That PowerPoint was the best I've ever seen. And, you know, we just, we have these vivid stories that we want to hear of us just being world changers. But I believe we can impress people with our humility. And even though we're the center of attention, we can focus on others and the gift that we're giving them, our resources, or the time we spent investing, learning about a topic that we're talking about. And that's a gift that we're giving. And I think, I love... I'll end with this on that topic, that at my parents' church, there was a sign behind the stage that you saw every time you walked on, and it said, it is a privilege to be on this stage. God, thank you for this opportunity. And I think anytime you can walk on any stage with that mindset, uh, you're going to have no trouble demonstrating these core values. Yeah, I had a mentor years ago. He told me, um, Carl, God's given you the blessing of a spotlight. And your responsibility is you control that spotlight. You can make it brighter and more focused on you, or you can make that beam wider so it includes others, or you can actually turn the spotlight off of you and shine it on others and let the applause go to others, and your satisfaction comes not from being in the spotlight, but from knowing you you were able to put that spotlight on someone else. That's why I love having you guys on the podcast. I've got some people that, by God's grace, they listen to my podcast. It's, it's a sphere of influence, as small or as large as it is, but I want to share that with others. And so whatever, whatever spotlight God gives you, you go, okay, this is, this is a solemn responsibility. Do I make it about me or do I turn it and, and share it with others? And I love that. I love you know blogging about, I visit a church and I love just blogging about this children's pastor, posting pictures. I just, last week I blogged about Todd McGeever and his VIP couch in his kids' church. You know, my blog is a spotlight. The people who go there might be coming there to read what, what I might have to pontificate about something. Mm-hmm. And I go, no, I could take my podcast and actually shine it, I mean my blog yeah. and the podcast, and shine it on somebody else. And, and, and that's fun, and it's, it's kingdom building. And, um, and I, I think it's something we need to actually take seriously. You know, just D- Dwayne Laughlin is he's alive, so I shouldn't call him a legend. People like being called a legend when they're still alive because <laughs> then they kind of feel like, you know, <laughs> gets curtains, the curtains are, call is coming. Um, but he is. I mean, he's been around for years. He's reproduced himself and his son and now his grandsons. And, uh, and yet, when we watched him perform this weekend, how many times when he could wow us with his skill and his professionalism and his articulation and everything, he's like does everything perfect, right? How many times did he turn the spotlight so that at the end of the trick... The, the audience was not clapping for him. Yeah. He designed the trick where the, the audience was applauding the child that he brought on stage. And that's why I think it's really important that people understand the definition. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less often. I like that. Mm. I like that. Cool. Well, before we end this podcast, I want to make sure our listeners know more about this Johnny Magic um, products that you've been coming out i mentioned the magic kit they got to check this out it's like the best thing to buy your kid for christmas if there's a way to let your parents know about it through an email list or close facebook group or something just go to johnnymagic.com it's really cool but right now jump on your uh devices and search that johnny magic in, in your app store is it android live yet 
It, it, yeah, any day. It, to any day. I mean, yeah. this this is like, you're like cutting edge here. You can be in the first couple hundred people to download these apps. He's got some amazing apps. And right now, they're free. They may not always be free. They There's a huge investment to create these. But right now, because he wants to get the word out, go to Johnny Mad, you're going to find three apps there. First one you're going to find is the soundboard. And that thing is so totally cool um, because a kid, it's designed for a kid to use to entertain his family. And it's got just these buttons you push for background music, for an introduction, for a joke, but I'm bum ching. Hey, you got that there on your phone, don't you, right now? I do. We should, yeah. we should pull it yeah, out. Yeah, why don't you play a little, give, give me some background music while I'm talking, oh, Johnny. <laughs> Come on. All right, yeah, that's All right. All right, so give, give me some background music here because this is so cool. He's also got an app um, that's a ticket booth thing where kids can actually print a ticket for their little home magic show and then actually has a scanner. So when family and friends come to their magic show, they take their iPhone and they scan it. It's so cool. And the third one they're going to find is the, oh, there's the music. Awesome. It, it's the Johnny School of Magic, right? Yes. So why don't you give your <laughs> website your URL? Yeah, johnnymagic.com. J-O-H-N-N-Y magic. No unique spelling. No spaces. johnnymagic.com. All right, thank Thank you. But isn't this background music cool? While it's playing, we can do a drum roll, and uh, it just goes. Can you guys hear it? There it goes. And then I go, symbols. And there it is. That goes over the music. Hey, Barney, tell us a joke. We need a joke, Barney. <laughs> well, we have... Why did... <laughs> Nothing uh, like being put on the spot. I, I wasn't expecting that one. Sorry. There we go, a little laugh yeah, track. Yeah, for you. That's a funny Well, Had Barney told us all right, what, what, <laughs> what happened uh, in the, a fight broke out in the candy shop. Yeah, Did you hear about this? No. Yeah, two suckers got licked. There we go, the whole thing there. So I don't know how well that translates through our microphone here, but there's ta-da. We can stop the music. There's several choices of music. There's an intro, uh, kind of a welcome to the show kind of thing. Welcome, everyone. The performance will be starting soon. And then there's another welcome one, find your seat, turn off your devices or something like that, yep. silence your phones. This is a really fun app, and it's, and it's free. Uh, my son is already using this, and he's 10 years old, to do little shows for the family and totally enjoy it. And you're going to be adding to this and, and improving it, but get it now while it's free. Go to the iTunes or wherever store you go to, Android soon, and uh, download this, download the other one. But the third one's the Magic School, I started to say. Yes. And that's the one that goes with your Magic Kit. Yes. So they can actually watch videos and you've got a video editing degree so these are good videos yeah we've got the secrets of magic all hidden inside a, an app that kids can download and, and by waving a digital magic wand over their magic tricks it, it actually opens that secret video it's got multiple camera angles you know we're teaching a performance art here and, yeah. and we're able to do that with video and, and empower kids to entertain their friends and that builds their confidence and these core values are all part of those videos. And so whether or not they become full-time magicians in my competition in the future, regardless of that, these are values and, and social skills that they're going to carry into adulthood. Well, that's just so powerful. I mean, we're talking today about engaging our audiences, and we're thinking of audiences of kids as adult speakers or audiences of adults. And yet what you're doing is actually training kids how to be great communicators and how to engage their audiences. The blessing that that's going to be yes. for them as they grow older, like you said, whatever they end up doing, yes. whether it's magic or it's some other uh, ministry or occupation or career, you're you're really doing an awesome thing here. Yeah, when you talk about fear, our number one fear as a culture is speaking in front of people, which is, of course, the whole topic of this uh, podcast is helping people overcome that and engaging their audiences. But if you can start early with kids 
and you can give them these, this skill set, this confidence, and, and, and ground it in truth. You know, sky's the limit. Cool. So that's why I'm excited to, to pitch and encourage you to get this magic kit for your kids because it's not just a magic kit, and it is. It's, an, it's the best one I've ever seen. But beyond that, it is a training kids in the principles behind speaking and performing. So they're going to learn some cool magic tricks. They're going to amaze their friends and the family. But they outgrow the magic kit. That's cool. They're not going to outgrow these principles that they learn through that. Can you talk about personal stories? Can you just share a little bit about what magic and performing did for you as a kid? Yeah. you were sharing that with us over dinner the other night. Yeah. So I grew up uh, in a family of eight. I was the oldest of six kids. And uh, bless my parents, we were all homeschooled. Grew up in the country, and as many homeschoolers know, sometimes there aren't opportunities for social uh, social settings, whether that be you know day to day or, or sports or things like that. And so, it could be really easy to be uncomfortable in social settings or to be introverted, just by nature that you're the only one in your class, the number one in your class. And, <laughs> At least uh, you were valedictorian. Oh, that's true. So magic gave me uh, something to do in those social settings. It's an awesome icebreaker. And it gave me a, a, something I could practice and the discipline of that. And, so were you a shy kid? And I was, yeah, yeah. If, if, if I've taken the, the when they watch that YouTube video of you doing <laughs> that, they're not going to believe that you were ever a shy kid. Yeah, well, when you're shy and introverted, it, you're really thinking about yourself and withdrawing. And when you have a gift, when you have confidence, it's about the gift you're giving others. It's not about you. You jump right outside of you. Forget you outside of yourself. And it's all about what you're saying and what you're doing. And magic was the gate for me. And that was what unlocked that part of me that I didn't know was there. That's cool. Yeah, and, and same, it did the same thing for me. I saw Barney. I think you guys have heard my story. I'm not going to tell it again on this podcast. But just seeing him as a kid doing magic and going home and going, I want to do that too. And then performing for family and then for friends. And then eventually getting invited to speak at, at churches as a kid yeah. was a huge booster. I don't think I would have the ministry of kidology today mm. if I hadn't gotten that confidence as a kid that I had something to offer and that people could actually benefit from what I did. I didn't come from, you know, I guess my dad was a pastor, so I saw him public speaking. Um, but anyway, it, it played a great part. So you're, you're trying to reproduce that in other kids yeah, and this, through the same medium. And the school, the kid, everything we create, our approach is to inspire everyone to wonder, discover, and play. That's cool. We probably have to do another podcast where we, that's all we talk about, and that'd be pretty awesome. Well, we need to wrap this up, and I want to end by talking about ending well. Uh, ending on time is a big point. We already blew that, but that's okay. I think people are engaged, and we got three people on the podcast this week. Um, but what are some ways to just end well? I think some people struggle with ending, mm-hmm. and they kind of it kind of drags on. I think the first thing is, is, is knowing what the last thing is you're going to do and to say. And you, you rehearse that ahead. In other words, before you go out, you know why you're up there. If you're Knowing there, why you're up there is huge. Well, if I am trying to lead kids to Christ, then my whole message is geared toward the end. And if the end isn't well done and well thought through, then I've just kind of wasted my time and theirs too. And I don't get the response. So, Johnny, would you say memorize your ending just like you say memorize your intro? I would. Yeah, I think the bookends of what you're going to talk about should be memorized. It gives you the confidence it comes full circle for the audience, and it makes sure that you are on a trail and that you, and you've arrived to your ending. And if you're doing what in the magic world we call a callback, if you're referring back to that intro in some way too, it just feels like a more cohesive presentation. You know, we talk about first impressions. 
that last impression too. What are they? What are they leaving with? You know, it's a great quote, and I don't know originally who said it. Maybe one of you two uh, do. And I've heard this talked a lot about um, in in the news recently. And it was people don't remember what you said; they remember how you made them feel. Yes. And I've been reflecting on that a lot because in my workshops I try to equip and encourage. It's not just a model; that's our mission. And you always you need both of those. And in that closing you can really have that opportunity to really make people feel something. I mean, feel good, feel encouraged. I remember just last week, I, I was speaking to people who are, none of them except the host is a paid children's pastor. They're all part-time, bivocational, volunteer. And my whole theme was kid being a kid missionary, that they're missionaries. And I heard from them, they left, they're going, oh, I'm not a second-class children's ministry leader because I'm not paid or I'm not full-time or I have to work this side. One of, my, one of the guys that responds best is a truck driver drives around the country all week, and then he teaches kids on Sunday. And so he was like, I'm a missionary. Yeah, I'm not just a you know anything less than someone who has the blessing of doing this full-time. And that was my goal, that they would leave their feeling valued and encouraged and, and, and some practical things. So mm-hmm. ending well is important. We didn't memorize our ending, yeah. but uh, hey, this is your last chance, and I'm going to wrap this up. Okay, well, I just want to add that you want to leave your audience wanting more. That's good. You want to leave your audience wanting more. And you also want to be careful with your ending because if, if your tone or what you're saying, if all of a sudden it feels like an ending for your audience, they know that ending's there. They're already thinking, okay, where are we going to go to lunch? They're zipping up their backpacks. They're putting their pens away. They're closing their iPads. And so don't allude to that ending too soon. If, if it all of a sudden sounds like an ending and you still have five more minutes, your engagement's going to be low. And so I would encourage you to have a very tight, very simple, to the point, inspiring ending. So all of a sudden, you're done. And they don't even have a chance to check out. All right. Well, then I already blew it because I told everybody we're going to be ending the podcast. But that's all right. Maybe we should just stop abruptly. All right. Say goodbye, guys. Thanks very much, Carl. And that wraps up a special extended edition of Kidman Talk. Thanks, Barney Kennard and Johnny Magic for joining me here on Kidman Talk. And I want you to know that the Johnny Magic kit... School of Magic and the app is now live in the Kidology store. So just go to kidology.org slash Johnny Magic and order yours. 